You found it, the home of red-blooded American patriots. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Welcome to episode 22 of the Patriot Review. Who was that cowboy? That was fun. That Clint Eastwood's one of my very favorites. I love his spaghetti westerns, especially. Did a little face replacement there. I think I like that clip. Uh, the earlier material, the material that uh, I showed in the last show as well, of the different uh, war scenes. You know, I hope everybody had a Fourth of July. Uh, happy 4th of July and uh, enjoyed yourselves. But I wanted to just include that because given what's going on in America today, I think it's important to realize the blood and treasure that's been sacrificed so you and I can enjoy the freedoms we do. So I included that again, and I will include it in the future as well as things like it, just as a reminder of where we come from. Now, there's a... Uh, viral video that's going around that I wanted to share with you, and I'm going to do that. Um, it is in a Walmart, and you may have seen it already, but it's a Texas Walmart, of course, and uh, it should make you rather happy. Take a look. Susan Rice when you need her. It's a spontaneous singing of our national anthem. Imagine that. That's pretty cool stuff. 
So, yeah, this is a special Monday night edition. I am playing around. You know, I've only been doing this since February. Playing around with time slots and the content that I have. I have so much content right now that I am going to uh, show you an interview that I did with two gentlemen who host a podcast called uh, Blue State Conversations. They're two conservative or libertarian-leaning gentlemen. Um, well worth your time to listen to. So I like to do that. I like to show you other voices out there. And um, I wanted to also point out, you notice in the beginning, there's a little advertisement for the app, the Patriot Review app. And that is through Wix, where you can uh, keep in touch. You can uh, see what's happening behind the scenes. There's a free forum there. Uh, it's just started. So as many of you as possible, if you could join that, it's free. Uh, like I said, you have a place to speak freely without censorship and we'll have some special things on the forum as well uh, specifically uh, history related articles and things like that that are coming up in the future but we've been busy working on all that kind of stuff uh, and I wanted to show you here on the web page if you look at the red bar uh, towards the right it says get our app and you can go to our website to do that either on your desktop or on your phone It'll work either way, so go ahead and check that out. Um, I am going to go ahead and get started with the interview, and I will break in to give you some breaks as well. There's a live chats going on. If you want to join the chat room and ask some questions or make some statements, as long as they're clean, that would be great. So without further ado, here's the video. Welcome, everybody. I'm proud to have two gentlemen with me today, Matthew and Will, who host Blue State Conversations, a pod right. a podcast you can listen to. Gentlemen, welcome. I'm glad you're here to talk with me today. Yeah, no, we're glad to be here. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Which one of you is the more outgoing that wants to to head off the start off the conversation <laughs> on, on why your podcast came about, what your passion is, and what your objective is? Oh, Matthew, you're gonna have to take that one. Yeah, I think I might have to. Yeah, so uh, what really, we both of us grew up in blue states, mm -hmm. um, heavily blue states. I don't know, you know I'm from Massachusetts, um, mm -hmm. and then you're from Pennsylvania, which mm -hmm. just recently flipped blue, but you're from a deep blue area part of it, even though mm -hmm. some people consider that purple. So we spent a lot of time uh, just growing up in our education, in our formative years, um, really having to talk to people who didn't think like us. And the majority did not think like us. Right. So a lot of the skills that we developed was how to get somebody who thinks you're crazy, to put it mildly, actually want to listen to you talk. And so as we, you know, we got into college, I have my degree in political science, and I started branching out and speaking to other people who are interested in politics and just, you know, friends, family, commentators, all that. It became apparent that a lot of these people they knew their talking points and they knew their conclusions but they had no idea how they got there they had no mm -hmm. clue yeah. and what we found is it's easy to have a small amount of knowledge about something but they didn't even have that they would be able to tell me why the republican party should be spelled republic kkk kens they could tell me that yeah. and then my conservative friends would also be able to tell me why they're the demon craps right they all were able to do that but when I would say, why do you think that? They just blue screened right yeah. in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so 
the goal behind this and why we called it blue state conversations, although we ended up sort of realizing kind of quickly that a lot of Republicans think we're too liberals, which was actually kind of funny. <laughs> admit it. Admit it. I thought that first, too. Yeah. I, and I read your description because, yeah, hey, I'm a open-minded yeah. guy. Yeah. So it was <laughs> so so maybe a little bit of a marketing failure on our part, um, you know, but the, the the idea was, how do you have a conversation with somebody when you're not sitting there with 100 people behind you all agreeing or mm -hmm. who's in a different place? It's really how I'm a partisan. Right. I, I identify as a conservative. I right. speak conservative values. I argue conservative points. I, I vote Republican, all that. How do I communicate to somebody who doesn't think like that why I think the way I do? And then how can we equip other people in an efficient, quick manner with the knowledge that they need to start their conversations, to bring up their points, to think through the points logically? And that's one of the reasons why our show structure, at the end, we don't just talk and then leave it off. We always have a way forward. We say, here's the discussion. Here's the, some people think this, some people think that. There's an issue here. Here's yeah. here's something new to learn. And mm -hmm. then at the end, we kind of say, hey, here's a takeaway. We always make sure that people go away. They're going, you know what? I, I learned something new today, and I'm going to think about that. And it, and it sends them down a path. And that's what we really hope people can get out of it. Mm -hmm. Will, you have anything to add to that? I mean, what I would say is there's so much going on as far as what people can and what they do talk about. And a lot of times it's just frustrating because you want to have an open conversation with people. And they generally, most people who are friends of ours would want to have a conversation with us about it too. But then what we found is that there's a lack of education and a lot of people who, like, like Matthew said, they know their talking points. But when it comes right down to it, there's no depth. And I feel mm -hmm. like what's frustrating about that for us is that we really want people to grow. We really want people to know why they believe what they believe and then recognize that there might be people who are, you know, quote, crazy on every side of a coin. You know, it's possible. But mm -hmm. at the most at the heart of most things, you know, in the United States, the majority of us who are voting, hopefully all of us who are voting, are Americans and identify as such. Right. And if that's the case, then we should be able to find common ground on almost anything. And I feel like that's where we wanted to be able to find that middle ground and recognize, sure, there are differences, but that middle ground is where you can have that conversation and equipping people to be able to have that conversation with their friends or their family. Yeah. So I'm I'm 54 years old, and and my opinion of all this is that you know in the 80s you grew up and you didn't have a cell phone. You called somebody's house with the phone, <laughs> and you didn't pick up. You didn't get all excited. You didn't get pissed off. You just thought they were busy. And now in our society, I, I think that most of us at my age, we look at our education system, and and people have really been shaken awake here in the past year and a half about critical race theory, critical theory in general, which started as as a weapon, as weaponization of a of a system to install Marxism, that that is its historic roots. And you know, along the way, our education system has failed us, and now they're teaching our kids to hate America and to uh, scapegoat the white male. Uh, and you know, so that coupled with social media and narcissism, people are shallow because people are so wound up in. Uh, themselves and in you know glamorizing their life and making themselves seem and I'll say it more important than what they are uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah. part of the overall problem. So you guys are at this point where I really respect what you're doing because you still, uh, you know, all those things, but you still want to have a civil conversation, civil discourse with the people who follow you and the people that you know. Um, now me, I'm, I, I, I like to have a civil conversation as well, but one thing I know and where I'm at, and I want to get your feeling on this. I have come to the conclusion that the people who are on the far left, um, they're not in it to be right. They're in it to win. And they don't care if you give them facts. You know, right. they they are going to attack you regardless. Of, but I think, uh, Matt, to your point, Matthew, I don't know if you prefer Matthew. Either one's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, you know, I think, I think that... Um, you know, they want to win, and then there are still all those people that most of us, most of us are still more centrist overall, but mm-hmm. we're not the ones that get the attention. It's always the extremists that get the attention. Yeah. Yep. You know, how do you feel yep. about that? Yeah, so I want to take that one at least initially. So I, I feel that what tends to happen with the way the Internet works, as you brought up, is that we have the media and the internet kind of polarizing every single topic as it comes up when, as you said, most of us are centrists when it all comes down to it. And so you have people like AOC who come out, you know, rolling on, you know, the critical race theory and basically making up lies about the way things are. I think the last thing I was reading about her is when she was saying that like nobody can make a living on minimum wage and then trying to say a lot of things about how Americans can't get by working, you know, 80 hour weeks, you know, feeding all of their children. Meanwhile, it's less than 4% of Americans are, you know, living on minimum wage. It's not everyone. In fact, it's nowhere close to a majority. It's the smallest minority that we could possibly use and then throw around like everybody is making, you know, minimum wage and supporting children on it. You know, so it's, it's interesting to me because that's like the kind of message we would push all over social media and say everyone is wrong if you don't agree with this or you must hate people and it's like no (laughs) you can't attack aoc now i mean she's got the intelligence dangerous dead yak yeah the honorable the honorable you have to always remember the honorable the honorable she's a terrific (laughs) example because she'll say all kinds of stuff like that but her and biden now have introduced this their their desire to get rid of all currency you know so you can't digital have, currency. Yeah, you, they want digital mm-hmm. currency. So in their minds, in AOC's mind, who you know is going through traumatic, post-traumatic stress because she was in a, you know, federally protected building away from the Capitol when that terrible the, event that happened. no one that no one entered. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That trauma. You know, AOC. You can't you can't criticize her. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Well, she's red fire hot popular right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it shows again. It shows the lack, the failure of our education system that she even has followers. Mm-hmm. Back mm-hmm. in the day, she would have got laughed out of existence. You know, she wouldn't even be in the in the capital. Right. Well, as you said, like you can't criticize her. What I think is really fascinating is that I've come to feel that even the rest of the Democrats that are in, you know, Senate and House leadership, they don't like her either. You know, she's putting a bad name on the things that they like to the point where the fact that that New York is going to probably, I believe they're already set to lose their House seat and they want to write her out of having a congressional seat 
to run for. So she's going to have to fight somebody else. And the thing is, like, that's a fairly believable rumor. It doesn't have to be true yet. Yeah. It's just that the fact that it's out there is one of those quiet whispers where you're like, huh, like that wouldn't be a whisper if not for the fact that you can't openly criticize this popular person because she'll, you know, stick the dogs on you. But you can quietly criticize this person from, you know, far away off and have people see that this isn't what it seems. It's, it's not that this person has the support. It's that they have the center of attention. Well, to me, it looks as if it's the squad that holds the power. Uh, you know, I, I see Nancy as she's out of it. She's almost as dementia riddled, or maybe it's alcohol induced dementia. <laughs> But, so it's all those uh, hair salon appointments at DSTF. Yeah, right? yeah it's, uh, <laughs> rules for thee and not for me. Yeah, you know, I, I, in my opinion, actually, is a little bit different. I, I think the squad is useful because I think if you remember when the squad first came to prominence, yeah. there was a lot of infighting between um, them and Pelosi and right. sort of the establishment Democrats, and that sort of randomly went away. And I think the reason it went away is is Pelosi sort of came to them and said, "Hey guys, look." If you battle me for power, then I have to fight you because I'm, I have to maintain my power. I'm the speaker. I have my career. I have my seat. I have to maintain that. I've got donors. I've got people going. These people are nutty. I mean, I think uh, Wall Street actually threatened at one point because Elizabeth Warren was picking up a lot of these things. Wall Street was saying, hey, we're not going to donate to Democrats anymore. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the, But what the squad allows you to do is to say the radical things. Mm -hmm. And then Pelosi can kind of sit there and go, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's a little extreme for me, right? And she can kind of sit back, which was a technique that Obama really himself perfected and used effectively. And, I, you know, I, he really was good at, you know, you, you go out there and be like, man, that person from the Obama administration really screwed up. And you'd be sitting there going, how did Obama not know about this? Well, and then Obama's administration is, is Biden's administration now. And <laughs> right. So the, that it's old Biden. I think Obama's <laughs> behind him. Right. So you can just see how a lot of these people, they know the role they're supposed to play. Yeah. So AOC, you know, Rashida Tlaib, she can go out and she can say all of the, you know, against Israel stuff. She can go out yeah. there. She can say all that stuff. And yeah. then all the Democrats Sasquatch. have to do is just go. That's what I call her, Sasquatch. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they yeah, just have to know, do. I, I, you know what? I'm I'm beyond the point of being nice to these people and being respectful to them. They don't they don't mm -hmm. earn my respect. So. So, mm -hmm. you know, apologize. <laughs> so where I would say with that is, well, I would say with, for the people who are going to stake their, their, you know, essentially their whole belief structure on it and, you know, worship it as their personal religion, like, okay, there, there's no, there's no talking with them. What I right. think is happening though, is there are a ton of people who are shallowly, like as Matthew brought up, because they're so shallowly believers in blatant leftism. A lot of people are, open to suggestion if they're if they're brought questions that they can question themselves with and if they're actually open to consideration rather than just saying like there are a lot of people who will come to to, to us and talk to us and say oh you don't believe this wow that's so weird I'm like oh well, why do you believe it uh I'm like okay well how about i tell you why i believe what, what i'm thinking and then maybe you'll think about it in a way that you can think through why you care about that mm -hmm. and then they might come to a realization that I'm not so far out. And then that's where like the seed gets planted. Like maybe I need to think through why I believe what I do and why I vote because I'm one of those people that might be low information. And once you start processing that, you realize that you didn't actually learn anything about 
politics in school. You just learned what people told you. And so I don't have a lot of respect for people who are far left when they don't have any room to grow or if they are politicians. And those are the people I'm talking about, especially the Mm -hmm. politicians who do damage to our country. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't don't owe my, they don't earn my respect. They don't deserve my respect. They deserve being Mm -hmm. brought up on treason charges, in my opinion. (laughs) You know, so... I, I absolutely agree with what you said, Will, you know, that you, you try to give people facts, you know, but the other the other truth that we're fighting against is kind of like Don Quixote, you know, mm-hmm. the truth is that um, they don't, they think emotionally, they're, they're in the emotional track, they're not in the fact track. Narrative so, matters, narrative so, matters a lot. Yeah, and I feel like that's super important to bring up because what I feel like I've been hearing from people, because I tend to be an emotional person, but I'm fact-driven if I'm going to discuss something when it matters in regards to our government. And what I found is that because we we tend to be fact-driven people, we're fighting on the wrong ground. So when people say that it's a moral argument to promote socialism, you need to actually say, no, that is morally wrong. And here's why you have to fight them on the grounds that they have used to justify their decision because they want to say, well, hey, it might not work, but at least we're morally right. And I have to say, no, you cannot have two people. I literally had two friends that were talking about how, you know, we should just vote to make socialism a thing and then we can take the money from the rich. And I was sitting there going like, oh, my gosh. Like we make, you know, my wife and I make double what these people make. And what they're saying is if I'm alone in a room with them and the two of them vote to beat me up and take my stuff, they can do it. Yeah. Well, what they're saying is they're they're arguing for equity without any knowledge of what socialism has actually caused in the past. There's no such thing as equity and there never will be. You mm-hmm. know, people are yep. people and people's greed, the people at the top, the elites, they, they want to crush us. They want to have power and they want to have wealth and and. You know, that's why these folks that you're describing, I'm sorry if they're your friends, but they're basically what's called a useful idiot because they will perpetuate this belief that there's some, you know, nirvana that can be reached. And, you know, that's why I'm part of my show when I do my return segment, it comes back in, you know, not a not a rainbow or unicorn in sight because these people believe that there's <laughs> some, you know, there's some land out there, Matt, that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody is going to just be wonderful yeah. and everybody's going to have the same things and and I, and I sit there and I wonder have you ever heard of the great potato famine have you ever heard of you know we're talking about emotional you know arguments that's why I mm-hmm. focus on the consequences so so you think that it's okay for people's businesses to be burnt down because somebody who never was a slave you know and someone who never yeah. owned slaves you know mm-hmm. are pissed off about it so yeah Jump in here, Matt. We're we're kind of running over here. Yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah, um, I think the, there are going to always be people that you can't talk to, right? Uh, you know, uh, even as a conservative, right? There's 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 still KKK members, right? Mm-hmm. There's still these. Not many. There's still f- not many, right? But there you're going to have some of them. They're going Absolutely. to be running around. There's always going to be be people that you're just not going to be able to talk to. But I I think. For me, a lot of this comes down to we've convinced ourselves that we don't want the same things anymore. So when when I talk about how I want a prosperous life for somebody, everybody in the room says, yes, we agree. They've got two thumbs way up. But then the second 
I start talking about how I want it, there's you can watch the switch in their head because I'll say, well, I think that you need to have lower taxes, which will allow people to structure how they, and you start going into that. The, you can hear, they hear the word lower taxes, the sirens blare, the flag drops, and all of a sudden you can watch them turn from, yeah, let's, let's figure out how to help people into, oh, you're one of those people that likes to murder children, aren't you? And you're just going, that doesn't apply in any way. I, I actually, I actually had, I one time was, arg was talking with somebody about how, um, the the stance that minors, min like young women under the thir 13 years old, because it was Girl Scouts, were talking about how they were pushing on them the idea that they should be able to get abortions without parental consent mm -hmm. or parental information. So you didn't have to tell the parents. They should just be able to get an abortion, go home, and have a Lunchable. That was, and I was like, this is a problem. Parents yeah. need to be, they need to be involved in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And someone commented about like, you know, I, every time I, I, I find Trump supporters, they're just racist. I'm going, right. how does this have anything to do with race? Racist. There's Let's nothing about Margaret Sanger and the whole purpose for Planned Parenthood. Right. So but it, again, mm -hmm. how, how is any, how is what I, we were talking about in that sense where we're talking about parental rights and abortion? How does any of that have anything to do with race? There's nothing in the discussion that we were talking. We had not brought up anybody. We were talking about it in general. But what you, what you watch is that person just immediately went, that's a Trump supporter. Get him. Yeah, right. And that's when you – and that's when you – hold on a second. Hey, we're trying to talk. And you can't hear anything after that. Yeah, there are but, those people. And your, your comment where you said, you know, there are, there are people in every group. There are extremists in every group. The only <clears> group of people that that does not work for – are the police so it's like they can sit there and they can say well you know we weren't the ones black lives matter we're we're just concerned about civil rights we weren't the ones that were looting or burning or none of right. you around and you say well mm -hmm. guess what there's a bad cop but all the rest of the cops are are not the same well that doesn't make any sense they're a cop they're evil yeah I remember they had that website that was absolutely crazy that was talking about the abolition of the nuclear family. And the actual response that people had back to that was, well, that's not all the Black Lives Matter. <laughs> They're exactly. like, that's only like, uh, it's only four branches of them. Right. Like, well, now, at how, some how point, it's going to argument work. So, so uh, yeah, you're right about Black Lives Matter. There are a lot of great people. I just had this conversation with a black guest that I had on my show last week. And he's a conservative. He's a patriot. He uh, writes a, a blog. He's got a lot of great content. And I was saying to him, you know, so, yes, you're right. There are a lot of good people within Black Lives Matter. But my question is, why? What if I were what if I were to say, well, hey, you know, I'm part of the KKK, but there's a lot of great guys that. Uh, it's not all of them. I know a lot. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever have you ever tried white supremacist iced tea? It's the best. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes a little there, there is a certain point, and I And I've brought this up before. A lot of people will have things in common with extremists, right? Extremists think that we should have a post office, right? They, they do. They think that we should have food regulation so we don't die of food poisoning. There are going to be things that we all agree on. And that the important thing is the actual results and the discussion of the ideology and the decisions and where it leads you. That's where you can get to the actual dangerous stuff. If you meet a Nazi, they like steak. They do. <laughs> That conversation was a pleasure. I'm going to get back to it in just a just a minute. We're going to take just a short break and um, come back. But uh, first, I'd like to, if you're watching and you are uh, not in the chat room, I encourage you to get in the chat room. It's kind of cool. You know, you don't get that kind of stuff 
with cable, obviously. So it's kind of fun, and I uh, hope to see you there. Hello, I'm at the Della Air International Terminal. We are here for some breaking news. As you may have heard now, Della Air has instigated its new equity-based hiring practices. We're here to watch their first hire for pilot of Della Air Flight 15 coming in shortly. We will go to the tower now. Roger that, Flight 15. You are free to land on runaway sea. It's about time. You know, as the HR manager, I am so proud to say that we no longer hire based on experience or expertise. This hire, this person, was hired strictly because of their skin color and they are landing the plane now. It's so, so exciting. Here it comes, here it comes. Flight 15, you are short of the runway. Pull up. Flight 15. Flight 15, you're short of the runway. Pull up. Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner from the Patriot Review. I would like to call your attention to the Patriot Review merch shop. You go to redbloodedpatriots.com and go to shop. You will see a listing of items that you can purchase, uh, specific Patriot Review gear, and uh, even stuff for your pets, as well as our current Communism Sucks line of items. So go ahead and check it out. I think you'll be happy with it. I've purchased some merch myself, as you can see. It's good quality stuff. I'm happy with it, and I know you will be too. Again, the Patriot Review shop is at redbloodedpatriots.com slash shop. Thank you very much, and now back to the show. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. You know, I just realized I say, uh, too much. I say, uh, I have to work on that. Makes me kind of want to watch a Beavis and Butthead episode or something, but... Yeah, anyway, so hopefully you got your drink refilled and you're ready for the rest of the interview. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'll tell you, there's, what, 4,000 members of KKK, and it's like I say to all the guests that I have when we talk about the subject is, where are the KKK marchers? Where are they? Why? Where are they? You know, if this country is so systemically racist, why haven't they come out of the woodwork and just pummeled and shot all these protesters? They're right. Yeah. People make moves when they feel they're comfortable, when they're comfortably able to. Yeah. You're right. The Black Lives Matter marches when you had 26 million people in the street. That's when they felt comfortable burning stuff because 
Well, they felt empowered. Who's going to stop them? Right. And the police weren't coming. The police, yeah. the police told people, they're like, hey, we're not going anywhere near those things. We've had enough bad press for you know, the I, next 10 years. I love the, I love the police, but that's my rub with them. You know, if I were a sheriff in a county, now the county sheriff is the highest law enforcement officer in the county. I would have arrested the mayor. I would have literally put the mayor in handcuffs and said, you are not doing your job. You're putting people in danger. You know, and... <laughs> Maybe it would have made a statement where other people, other law enforcement officers, would have said, "No, this isn't okay." You know, and that's my well, biggest that, disappointment with law enforcement. Hmm. Well, that's that's where I think what would what, what we provide becomes important because you can see if let's say that that sheriff, and that sheriff, he's got a family, he's got cousins, he's got people who serve under him, and so now he's saying, "I'm going to go arrest this mayor." So what's going to happen after I arrest the mayor? Right. You're the governor's coming. Right. Because and other mayors, because mayors, for some reason, they like to not be arrested. So they're going they're going to want to put pushback on him. So then Mm -hmm. you need a ground army behind him saying, no, 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 this is the right move. And this is where a lot of the federal Republicans don't they they become the useful idiots because they do. They don't back up the people supporting them. Agreed. But here's where here's where that um, that fear fails is. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. You don't have to arrest the mayor to be hated. You're going to be hated regardless. That's true. So yeah. stand up and do what's right. And I think that people are afraid to do what's right because they see the the extremists getting away with what they're getting away with. Well, it's you know you had the the Saint, the couple in St. Louis that you know they had the guns outside the they they got their guns taken away. Right. Ridiculous. And they're buying guns up again. Good yeah. No. Because it's their can, right. Because you can see how in they made a they made a strategic move where they said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to plead guilty to this, give up these specific guns, and then we can go out and buy more guns, All right? So you can see how they made a strategic play mm-hmm. now that they're still in the fight now, that, and so sometimes it is important to stay in the fight rather than start start one. But I, I do agree with you that one of my biggest problems is a lot of these law enforcement people they do just back down, right? Yeah. Uh, they just say, well, we're just not going to do that today, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's it's something where they also need the support coming the other way. They need their 26 million people on the street. You know, if if I'm a police officer and I'm and I'm walking outside my precinct and I see a line of people in Antifa masks and that looks suspiciously like a bag of Molotovs, and then I look to my other side and it's like there's the one guy who's like really old and he's mm-hmm. got like. 14 flags like yeah, sticking yeah. out of them and that's his that's his only support that you start going maybe i'm just not going to go outside today because is, you start re- it's the same problem that we have when we talk about uh gun laws you know the people on the right are, are law-abiding that's the difference people on the right are law-abiding they're not going to go burn businesses down and, and they work most of them are working all day and they're trying to trying to <laughs> support their family yeah. I was just about to say, and we're too busy working. Right. And, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, that's my greatest disappointment with us is like, Jesus, stand up. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be out there supporting the police. We should be out there doing that. The only problem is yeah. then we're the terrorists. We're the ones that the current administration says, you know, you you guys, you're the look at what happened on January sixth. I have mm-hmm. video of I have video of the the Capitol Police moving the barricade, waving people into the building. Now, if I'm a tourist and I'm in that group and I see a Capitol Police officer waving me in the building, I'm going to think, 
oh, okay, it must be. It's okay. open. Right. So they go in there, and then all this BS. To me, it's just to me. We just watched the Reichstag Reichstag fire of the United States when when the Nazis took over Germany. They burnt the Reichstag down. They blamed it on other people. Same thing. False flag event. You know, and so I think the, that's the other thing is they purposely done these things to, to put fear into us so we don't stand up and support people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the video where they pulled the barricade back, one of the, it actually, I, I think there's a better argument there because what they were doing is they were being overwhelmed and they actually pulled their lines back because they didn't have enough officers there and they weren't being given the support they needed that day for whatever reason. Nobody knows why they well, didn't have. They did Trump not have. Didn't accept it. Trump offered her ten thousand National Guard troops. Right. So if it's if that's the case, then that means Pelosi's setting that up. And I think yeah. that's a better argument for us conservatives to make. That saying, hey, look, our leaders didn't want to protect our capital, and then when they didn't, they blamed us. Right. That's yep. Right. And and that was when they created the argument that now we have to fortify. Right. The, the we have to fortify it completely so that Biden and Kamala are. Safe. All right. So all Americans mm-hmm. now can't can't gain access to their legislature, their legislators. You know, so mm-hmm. that affected everybody uh, right. on every side of the aisle. So that that was really depressing to see that the razor wire yeah. and and every, you know all of a sudden fences work. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of a sudden borders and troops yeah, work. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, you know, I I don't particularly support what happened on the 6th. I don't think that we should be breaking into the Capitol, right? Because the Electoral College voted. A lot of the things that I support as a conservative, I don't think, and I think that they shouldn't have done that. Do I think that Ashley Babbitt should have been shot? Probably not. But a lot of that, when they're breaking in and stuff like that, we didn't need to break in. I don't think Donald Trump told them to go do that. That's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) That's, that's, I mean, they got, they were breaking in before he even said, go down to the Capitol. So, you know, they were going to peacefully Mm-hmm. Right. Make our voices heard. He, right. Uh, yeah. Protesting. Yeah. And then if, but if somebody comes to me and they say, look, you know, Donald Trump's rhetoric uh, throughout the election caused this to happen, and I say, all right, sure, we'll we'll go with that. So then Bernie yeah. Sanders caused Steve Scalise to be shot. Yeah. Right. And then you just suddenly watch people back. Oh, wait, I don't know about that. That's not really the the, the equivocation starts. That's when you go, all right, buddy, you go, <laughs> yeah. look it. Maybe you need to listen to something else. Maybe you got to think through this again, because if rhetoric is if rhetoric is violence, which it's not, but if it is, then any rhetoric around violence is now violent. Well, I can start punching left wingers, right? Gets, you cause violence. Who gets to, <laughs> who gets a pass on rhetoric? That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. have, you see the spray painting on in several cities, kill whitey. You know, you see, <laughs> you know, not a comment about it. Not a comment about it. No, because it's, you know, it's, it's all right because, you know, you're just supposed to take it. doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. Um, it's, just, all that, it's all that built-up racism you have. Yeah, it's right. All, it's right. all yeah, that oppression you're forcing upon them to live in the city because they can't get out, obviously. Right. There's, there's obviously oppression built into the system for loans that stop people from, I don't know, buying a house right. or renting somewhere not in a city. I heard a kid talking on a video saying, I never thought about race, but now because there's so much attention drawn to it at school, now mm-hmm. the first thing I see is race. It's like, 
it's a trained thing. It's not something. What they should be doing. Yeah. I I had a conversation with people about, you know, Juneteenth where I'm thinking uh, this is not something that I mean, it's something that I was aware of. Like I was aware of the concept when I went through school and I covered American history and they process, you know, here's the Civil War. Here's the things that people fought for. Here's what happened when the war finished. Here's how slavery was impacted. Here's when the slaves in the South realized in Texas that they were free. They weren't calling it Juneteenth when I was in school, and I'm 26. Republicans went down and and freed the slaves from Democrats in the South. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah the the problem with a lot of this stuff that we hear from people is it's a thing we could rally around. Mm -hmm. Juneteenth's a great idea, right? You have Juneteenth where we celebrate the the ending of slavery. And then you have July 4th the next month celebrating freedom. And you, you can put that together. That's a great story of America. That's an amazing yeah, it's, story. It's a great story. It's a great part of history. But, you know, if I'm, you're just going to beat me around the ears with it every year about how, well, hey, right. since you're white, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you, you can't do this. Or, hey, this is just your yearly reminder to shut up. Well, uh, right. this, yeah, we, we're not going to well, have. Here's the facts. The facts are that slavery was pervasive across the globe. That mm-hmm. there were white slaves on the African continent long before black slaves were brought to America. That mm-hmm. it was the African blacks who rounded up mm-hmm. other blacks. That the yep. ships that came to Africa, they would not leave their ships except right on the coast because they were afraid of malaria. The slaves were mm-hmm. delivered to them. They were not hunted by whites. And after the Emancipation Proclamation, there were still white slaves in Africa. So... You know, the, that's why I'm so tired of all of it. It's like, how about we all stop the bullshit where we're, we are uh, black Americans, African Americans, we're, you know, Hispanic Americans. No, how about we're just Americans and we celebrate mm-hmm. America and we stop dividing ourselves into these groups, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's because it serves a purpose. It serves mm-hmm. a political purpose. Right. And it's such a scorched earth way of securing it. You know, I... If you want to come to me and talk to me about the fact that there's historical effects on black people in America because of the discrimination they faced, you're completely correct. But is it 100%? Is it 5%? Is it 10? You know, they in Boston, uh, near where I lived, they just recently found that the average net worth of African Americans is $8. And instead of somebody going, wait a minute, Boston's in the north. They have a federal judge overseeing their school system for racial reasons. They have all these different programs and leaders who are supposed to be bringing these, all that stuff's going on. How is it $8? Right. And then you go in and you, then you go in and look and you see, well, you can see that what a lot of them rent. So when you're renting, Mm -hmm. your net worth is much lower because you don't have a house to balance that out. Now you could maybe say to me, Hey, they didn't have the opportunity to own a house. That's fine. And then we can talk about how we need to get them into houses. And you see how the conversation moves that way. But what instead happens is they go, well, this says $8. It says for white people, it's $400,000. Well, that just goes to show you that white people are racist all the time. This is not productive. But the idea is to shut up people that don't agree with you and then be able to say no to a conversation that is inconvenient for you in your political agenda. That's what it gets used for. And that's the unfortunate Mm, part. You're right. But here's the thing. It's not like they didn't try it. There's this thing called subprime loans. 
this 2008, 2009, they were giving out loans to people who didn't have the equity, the yes, the equity to support it, the amount of income to support it. And then they lost their houses because they couldn't pay for them. And so now we're back in a place where we've got something like the FHA with, you know, 3.5% and like down in order to buy a house. Like how much lower do you want to move that down? Like how about 1% and the state pays closing costs? Like what in the world? You know, my, my sister, she was telling me that she had, she had friends who haven't purchased uh, homes who were giving her all sorts of advice on buying homes. She uh, just closed this past month on the 30th. And uh, I, I, she thought it was, it was amazing how many people were trying to give her advice on it. She was told like, there are lots of, you know, things that the federal government and the state government are doing. And she says to me, you know, I think I need to look into whatever is going on with like the state and the federal government. And I was like, um, Sister, I love you dearly, but there is no program that the government is doing where they will pay for your mortgage. Right. Just so you know. (laughs) This isn't like a racial thing. This is just everyone. We pay for the mortgage. Talking about that kind of stuff, I say, okay, so how many programs are there that are specifically to give money for a mortgage for white males? Zero. How many programs are there for minorities? Right. There There are programs for minorities both for businesses and for home mm-hmm. ownership and for education they just did it with the farmers the far, the farmers got the if you were a black farmer although i yeah. think uh court i think they a court actually blocked that. it so yep. i think a court just blocked it but it's yeah. a district it's a circuit court so it has to work its way up but well as it turns out that was racist yeah well, Weirdly, <laughs> yeah, <I figured. laughs> well now even uh, mathematics is racist so i challenge the liberals to stand in the middle of the highway and we're going to do a little word problem here See that car? It's traveling 55 miles an hour. If there's more than one answer, stay here. See, right? <laughs> if there's more than one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, there's people tend to forget a lot of things that are just important to the discussion. You know, when we talk about First Amendment rights, most most people just think it's one. They, you know, what's the First Amendment? Oh, freedom of speech. Well, there's five, right? Just in the first mm-hmm, one alone. Right. And so. But then those people go out and they have these impassioned, moral, like just immovable stances. Yeah. And it's as if you if you say anything that goes against what they came up with with that, you you must be against them. And I think that's the that's the challenge that conservatives have to face. For far too long, the conservatives spent their time just saying lower taxes are going to win us the day. We're just gonna we're just gonna be the economics party. Everybody mm-hmm. likes jobs. They'll like us because we give them jobs. And the problem is even the best, even the most person who loves their job and everything, they want to love their job because they enjoy the feeling it gives them. They're rewarded by it. Mm -hmm. They want to feel rewarded by it. And if you have people that are going to work, but they feel like they're doing something wrong, then they'll give up that job because they feel like something's wrong. And I think we've lost a lot of the moral discussion and the narrative discussion that goes along with having a society. Because, you know, I have a friend, and we're good friends. They're a democratic socialist. They want to solve the same problems that I do, but the way they want to get to it is, in my opinion, wrong. But that person also understands there's an agreement that the two of us have. We understand that the other person wants to get to the same point. Mm-hmm. We both want a better country. We both want poor people 
to not have be homeless. Well, we both want the hungry to be fed. Well, and I don't, that... could, I don't even know if I could do that at this point. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like, you know, there's one. But I think that's there's part only of the problem. One system that's ever brought people, such a number of people, out of poverty, and it ain't socialism. It's capitalism. That's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the Republican Party. Now they they you know I think the days of Mitch what McConnell party? and the Rhino Republicans is just about done. I think people mm-hmm. are fed up with the lack of representation. Um, do you guys agree with that, or what's your what's your opinion of what's what we're going to see in the next few years? I, I think Trump shows you that that party that that party's kind of over. Just the election of Trump and his continued success. I know he didn't win the next time, but the vote increase that he got. (laughs) Well, once the electoral college says, then that's what it is. Unfortunately. That's Um, not true. That's actually not true. No, it is. I was just watching general Flynn talk about that. And he was saying, uh, no, that's not the case. The only thing that's different about this election is that uh, there have been other examples at, at other levels, but it's never been at the presidential level. So we have to wait to see, uh, mm-hmm. wait to see what happens. And I think if you if you haven't gone to see, there's uh, everything Lindell has put out on frankspeech.com. All of his documentaries are really good if you haven't gone to, to see that. Then there's another one called The Deep Rig that just came out, and it should be available to the public sometime after or, or during August maybe. But there's a lot of evidence there. And I know I interrupted you, and I'm sorry for that. But, yeah, sorry. but I do think that there is a, there is a way for that to actually happen and, and we're gonna have to disagree on that one but i think i think it's interesting it's the most interesting time in history i think well right if it was proven that he that he rigged it then you you would have he, he would be impeached um mm-hmm. and if i think if he wasn't impeached there'd be there'd be a real issue um but in terms of the technical legal framework of the constitution what would happen is there would be evidence presented and an impeachment process would start that's te- the technical legal framework of it but yeah I, I believe what i was you know sort of trying to get at is that there's that increase of support for trump which shows that there is that the idea of the old we get you know we lower taxes and we stop the crazy people from passing the super left stuff mm-hmm. right that party is really gone. I, I don't think that exists anymore because it simply is not effective and it's really not useful. Um, I don't think the economic argument has really been won by liberals ever. They don't even try. They don't really argue that the Republican numbers are off. They argue that they're morally evil. Right. right? So it's like, yes, you're going to get they'll say the Republicans will give you more jobs. However, You'll be an evil capitalist. Like that's the argument that you'll get. It condenses into that. So they don't really try to argue so much of that. You know, they'll say the trickle down economics thing, which was actually an attack made up against it. It's supply side economics. They don't really try to argue supply side economics because, again, the Trump economy was roaring. The Reagan economy was roaring. You know, Bush did sort of bring the economy back. But then we kind of found out that that was a little bit on the. Yeah, Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, the first. Yeah, the, that, but again, the no new taxes, that sunk yeah. his that sunk his presidency, yep. you know, because <laughs> you're right. That party's long gone. People, I think yeah. people are now more focused on America first because they start to see. I think Americans start to have a have started to have a lot more of a global vision, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the problem with conservative, not conservatives, I think the problem with the Republican Party is for too long. They were 10 years behind their opposition. They were, you know, 
Democrats would get up there and give a floor speech about how, you know, Republicans want to murder grandma. And the Republicans would get up and go, well, that's a fair point, but have you considered? And it was kind of like, this isn't a collegiate debate anymore. That's a fair point, but... Yeah, it's really... I do do remember the commercial, the supposed Paul Ryan throwing the grandma off the cliff. Right, they used to do that. Oh, remember, you know, Joe Biden said, you know, he's going to put you all back in chains. And the reaction from, like, the the establishment Republicans was kind of like, ah... Joe, yeah, like this is if someone said to me, hey, you want to put black people back in chains? I I think we'd be at each other's throats. Well, right. Because that's (laughs) that's an insult. Joe Biden is the ultimate gaffe machine between that and, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And (laughs) oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. But again, he's he's not really there because he's there because a lot of people view him as a moderate. So when Biden says the 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 Harris Biden administration. Yeah. yeah, when he says the the scripted things, people go, oh, well, that's the moderate speaking. Right. But I think for two – and I think a lot of the new Republicans are doing a good job. You know, you've got um, you know, Crenshaw's doing it. Holly's doing it. Um, a lot of these new guys, they're going in, and they're Cruz just sort of arguing. Say that again? I'd put Cruz and Johnson in there. Yeah, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good guys in there. Lee's doing a good job. He's not as vocal, but he's very good at sort of causing problems inside Congress. He's very good at sort of just making the point that way. Um, you know, I, I you know, um, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, the, these guys are they've realized that the they they've all sort of realized what Lindsey Graham realized like 30 years late, which is that the other side was not interested in in actually meeting him. <laughs> Right. They were there to, and I think, and it, it's funny because you just watch Lindsey Graham just realize that, like over a couple months with the Kavanaugh trial and everything, and you just mm-hmm. watched him go from like, what happened to, and he just he turned, he really turned he, around. He did, and, the, and I think he kind of has gone back a little the wrong way, but lately, but, but yeah, there there are only a few, you know, there's only five people that signed five Republicans that signed the letter asking why there are still people in jail after one six who weren't even in the Capitol. And that was really disappointing to me. I would thought that every Republican should have signed that. Yeah. Yeah. That, so I, I want to bring up, uh, you, you had asked you know, about like the Republican party and where you think we think it's going. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to go back into that point. Um, so I think we're going to see, uh, you know, like a new generation, you know, it's kind of starting, but I think we're going to see a new generation of conservatives who are running as Republicans because that's the only option that makes sense for them. Right. And I think they're going to start saying that we've made a mistake with the federal deficit getting Definitely. out of control. Like it, it's hit a point, we haven't hit the point yet, but we will. And it once we reach, we're within a decade of being not just in financial debt, but in close to financial destitution, I think we're going to run into a situation where people say, we can't just be separate parties until we have to raise the debt ceiling. And then we all agree. That can't keep happening. We actually have to choose for that not to happen. And I've been really fascinated watching uh, the moderate Democrat in the Senate, uh, who's uh, uh, Matthew Manchin. Manchin. Yeah, it's Manchin. Yeah, Yeah, because people, yes, but Manchin's receiving a lot of heat Mm -hmm. because of the decisions that he's been making to hold up the Senate and hold his vote to himself. And I got to say to myself, if he's the only one who has the balls 
to speak from a place of leadership and convince people that they have to listen to him because he's not going to vote with you until you've heard him have his peace and you've made an attempt to be bipartisan. Everyone has that power. Every single Senate, yeah, Democrat and Republican, case, has that power. Even in Manson's case, he was the one that you know was shooting in his first advertisements, shooting a gun, and yeah, it's West Virginia. And you, that's you, yeah, the state he comes yeah. from. So mm-hmm. you have right. to be skeptical yep. of all these right. people because it's like, <laughs> they just want yeah. him to get reelected, or is this what they really believe? Well, and from his perspective, you know, he, he would love if you know somebody, some other Democrats came to his area and tried to campaign against him because that would just support the fact that he's anti-establishment. And I think that's going to be what happens is, you know, we talked about the squad who I would consider anti-establishment. And I think they're, we're going to, sure, but they're anti-democratic establishment. And so I think we're going to see people coming out of the Republican Party that are going to say that the way that the establishment is running is indebting us to other countries and indebting us to ourselves as well in a way that we're going to pass on to our children and we can't do it anymore. And I think people are going to start making waves because you get one Senate Republican to say, I, you know, they get them to come from a state where they'll be supported for pushing against uh, growing the deficit, and they're going to be able to walk in there and say, "I was elected to stop you from doing this. I, I was elected right to that. stop I, you." I hope you're right on that, you know, because the the challenge for them is they got to deliver dollars back to the home state, right? You know, and, and they have yeah. to be able to say that the reason why I'm doing this is because it'll be better for my state and it'll be better for the American people, well, and here's need, why, and I then think, repeat it over and over again. I think we need, you know, we need uh, we need to have a conference of states where we go mm-hmm. through and have one of them should be clean bills. The convention of the states? The convention of states, yeah. yeah. Clean bills is a requirement. Clean bills, no pork, nothing else added to it. Your bill can't be more than 100 pages, whatever. It doesn't have to be 5,000 mm-hmm. pages if it's about a single subject. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. and it's entirely possible that that could happen because of how many states are more and more red, and it's just a couple of cities that are, you know, extremely blue well currently the convention of states movements has like 26 states Mm -hmm. it's sliding like a couple of states a year so hopefully hopefully we see that because i think that's that's really where us as citizens have a chance to really make a difference Mm -hmm. yeah because one of the things that you can do is it doesn't you do not have to actually have your current elected senators and representatives be your representatives at that convention you can bypass the establishment completely that's one of the reasons that they're not big fans of it (laughs) because mcconnell wouldn't be invited you know pelosi (laughs) would definitely not be invited mcconnell and pelosi would be out and so they're not really big fans of it um but yeah it's really would bring it back to the state level and i think that's where a lot of this stuff is going is the power has to be taken out of the federal government to calm things down. Otherwise it will continue to heat up because as we start using it more and more as a cudgel against our, the other team, then more and more they're going to just come back with a bigger cudgel, right? That's, that's why you see Mm -hmm. when, when the, when they, when they use the nuclear option Mm -hmm. to get rid of the judges, right? Did Republicans put it back. No, they just, they used it and they went, we're going to put, they, Mm -hmm. they used it. And then now they're talking about how they're going to get rid of the filibuster. And the Republicans are saying, get rid of the filibuster, get ready. (laughs) You know, it's, yeah, it's, well, we had that under Obama. 
this because mm-hmm. we're the victims of what happens because mm-hmm. of that game. You yeah. Know, one of the other things, Will, you said was you you expect there to be a reaction, and I do too. I think that mm-hmm. we will see a lot of young people really seeing things going too far, and there'll be a lot more conservative young people in the next ten years, probably. Well, you know, there's there's a funny joke about that. There are more conservative young people because there are more conservatives having children. It's true. (laughs) Like that's a real thing that's happening. Yeah, it's actually true. Well, because religious people tend to, on average, I believe, have more kids. So, but that's also why they want to ban homeschooling. That's why, you know, you they had the summit at Harvard, how to deal with these people, because North I believe it was North Carolina. Um, recently, there was a story that I was reading. They have they had more homeschooling children than registered um, public school kids. Now, obviously, because I think on average, they're more successful. Yeah. Oops. Well, those but, <laughs> those states where education dollars follow the children are, are what they want to mm-hmm. stop. They want to mm-hmm. they want to stop that and rake that 10 grand in per kid mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Quick story for you on that, though, you know, the the way that that money flows. So my sisters and I were homeschooled for most of our time and we went, you know, we all went to college and have careers. But it was funny because my sisters went to the public school for band and that school, they wrote them as study hall for the whole rest of the day because that was how they could get the full amount of tax dollars for them participating in one class. Wow. What a game. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. They were called the study hall ghosts because uh, teachers would have them in study hall and call their names, and the kids would have to let them know that that person is never coming. Yeah. <laughs> and they thought they were kidding. Yeah, it actually works slightly different. Um, in my state, you become actually a registered um, school under the superintendent of your district. That's how, So you report to your superintendent because it's his job in Massachusetts to ensure the education mm-hmm. of everybody in the area. So, sure. you, so uh, technically, I was at a school that had a principal, and it was my mom, and then there was a math teacher mm-hmm. who was my dad. Um, <laughs> it was that's how it worked. Um, so every location has different rules on it. But one of the things is definitely when I was growing up, they would go after homeschoolers be, with truancy laws. They okay. can't do that so much now because there was, um, you know, HSLDA. There's a lot of these organizations that popped up to defend them, and as court precedents started to get going. And then as you had more and more kids, so there was a bigger and bigger community that could get mad at you, um, that you would, that you saw that less and less and less. Mm-hmm. So now what they're trying to do is requirements, right? So they're going to come into, they feel, well, you're a school, right? So we can come in and inspect you. Right. Right. At mm-hmm. any time without your consent. It's like, well, no, this is still my home. <laughs> this is, right. um, you know, you still need your, I still have my rights. Yeah, well, HSLDA has been a champion for homeschooling rights, yeah. and we've seen a huge increase in percent of you know, parents choosing homeschooling for their kids, especially last year. Yeah. And I think that we're going to find that a lot of them keep to it because there are a lot of benefits to being able to educate your children. And there are some parents that are discovering that it's actually beneficial for them to have one parent at home. And if they can afford it on one salary, they might just right. do that. Well, I have a whole theory about that, about about how the government took advantage of feminism and getting getting the tax base yes. increased and having two workers in every home and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But we don't have the time for that. So, <laughs> we, you know, I really appreciate the conversation, you guys. And yeah, would, no, thank you. I'd like mm-hmm. to I'd like to conclude just with talking, have you talk about your website, and I'm gonna throw it up here quick. If you would. 
Yeah, of course. So yeah, um, so on our website, you know, uh, we're, you know, we've been we've been definitely putting out content. Um, you'll be able to subscribe. Uh, we're on multiple platforms, uh, so if you cl- click on that, you can select your platform of choice. Um, but we, uh, you know, you can also just subscribe with Spotify. Um, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on all the major ones, and then um, you know, Anchor is. So we have our we post our episodes. Um, we 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 try to post bi-weekly. Um, that's that's our goal. Um, in the future, as we start adding in more content, uh, that may slow down, but we're going to post regularly. That's that going to always be true. BlueStateConversations.com altogether. Blue, Blue State yep. Conversations. Um, yep. So we have our episodes. You can hear what a lot of our stuff is about. We've got two full seasons. Um, season one is completely out. Season two uh, will be is is wrapping up on on its broadcasting. So we'll be getting that fully out there. Um, we'll be lining up more guests. We'll be appearing on other shows. So you'll be able to see um, a lot of that. We'll be um, Our goal is to start adding in more um, polls and blog entries and just sort of quick hit thoughts. And the goal is really to give you information. That's really what the goal is, um, to be able to talk about current things and, and, and address them in a way that's uh, short and snappy that you can just read it while you're on your way home or you know while you're on your lunch break. And then you can be more informed quickly. And that's really what we want our goal to be. That's great. And you said early on the show here that you try to leave people with something positive, something that they can do. And I do that. I do that, too. Obviously, you know that I'm opinionated and I have my beliefs and stuff. And Never. That's, that's, just the, that's just the way it is. But at the end, I always try, always try, and I think that you do as well, to to get people motivated to actually participate. And I think that. Uh, anyone who goes and listens to your show will get some some good insight into what the truth really is, number one, and what they can do themselves to make a difference. So, Will, how about you? Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what people can expect in the future? Yeah. So I feel like it's really important to highlight that we're we're here to discuss not just the topics as they they come now, but also tried and true things. We wanted to hit on a lot of things in our first season that would apply no matter what time anyone would listen to them. Correct, because yeah. there are so many things in life that do not change. Uh, Matthew, like, do you have a few offhanded like some of the titles that we had for that first season? Because I feel like they're very appropriate to some of the conversations that we had just now. Yeah, um, our opening episode is how much crime is okay, and mm-hmm. the the main point behind that was when you're talking about making something better or addressing something with policy, we we can never hit zero, right? There's no there's no such thing as zero murders, mm-hmm. right? There's no such thing as zero crime. So what's good crime? And then when you're saying good crime, that's kind of an oxymoron. So what what are you actually trying to say? And and we talked a lot about in that how. People will often they'll talk about prison populations or they'll talk they're missing sort of the actual point of we're trying to keep our community safe. How do mm-hmm. we best do that? Mm-hmm. And then when somebody is saying, Hey, maybe we wanna have more cops or less cops, or they want if someone wants to do social workers, let them talk about doing social workers. But we need to be actually discussing what is going to bring crime down and what the effects of it are. And when somebody says, Well, 
the cry, the goal should be zero. There's too much of that going around. How many, how, you know, and what should mm-hmm. cry be zero? Right. And, and, and so the reason why, we, like, so that's like one of those main topics, because what we're recognizing in society today is people will use that type of thing where we say the goal is zero. So for instance, we could say the same thing about children in cages on the Southern border. The goal should be zero. Well, how realistic is that? How even remotely possible? Or uh, children who go straight from high school to, you know, uh, the streets or a prison population, the goal should be zero. Well, how do you even do that? What type of situation can you apply? And we accept today, we accept so much about, you know, where we live that we're willing to accept what current levels are around us. And so we, we take on a lot of topics that, you know, like as Matthew said, they're, um, they're essentially timeless things in that first season. And I think as we create more seasons, uh, we're going to take on more of those timeless things and then incorporate more of the nowisms. But yeah. I feel like it's really important that we ground ourselves in solid truth, things right. that do not change, because that is where we can look back on and say, okay, how is what is happening today apply to what I know to be true? Because there are things that will not change well, and think- we should really hold on to those. Absolutely. Now, for me, I was a, a degreed safety environmental health professional for 30 years. So I was one of those guys that zero. We want zero injuries, accidents. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And the way I look at that is the same way I look at the United States. So uh, we're never going to be perfect, but we sure can try to be. And we continue mm-hmm. to improve. And we, right. you know, and I think what's lost right. in, the, in the conversation is everything has to be politicized. It, mm-hmm. Why politicize a discussion on crime? I mean, Let's talk about improving our situation as a whole right. for everybody. So, um, right. so yeah. So I look forward to uh, talking with you guys again, and I'm glad yeah, that I, I got uh, got introduced to you through uh, Matchmaker.fm. If anybody is looking for guests or hosts, been very um, good. Yes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been a, a decent experience there. So, um, again, thank you guys. I hope we talk. Thank soon. you so much. And yes. you're always welcome back on the Patriot Review. Thank you. Wonderful. Can't wait. Thanks. Thank you. I will be the last to fall. I won't shed a tear for them to see. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. I want to thank everybody for being with us and being in the chat room and following along. Those guys were great guests, pretty sharp guys. I recommend, again, that you go check them out at bluestateconversations.com. 
Now, I had mentioned early in the show I have a lot of material, and I'm going to actually be busy this weekend at a wedding reception. I will have a show for you. Uh, Sunday at 4 will be posted. It won't be a live stream this time, but it will be posted at my regular time, which is Sunday at 4. And I have a mom who is in California who is fighting the school system, a little bit of what we talked about tonight. And uh, she's going to share her experience with you. And then I also have a gentleman who is running for president in 2024 on a third party. So he's an interesting guy as well. So tune in. That'll be available Sunday at 4. As always, thank you very much. And just a plug for you to get involved at the local level. Remember, there can be no national power without local compliance. Your best place to, make, to be effective is at the local level, whether it's school board, whether it's running for some other office, uh, maybe get in touch with your county uh, Republican chapter, uh, get a membership there, and they can, they can uh, help you run for office or uh, assist in other ways. So hopefully you do that. Stay positive, and God bless you all. We'll see you next time.